We are made of stories, and today we're going to talk about it. This is Radio Plasma, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. I'm Johan Rochevega. Welcome to Radio Plasma. And here we are in our co-working space 92, part of the New England Media Lab, the new headquarters for Radio Plasma. And I'm really honored on welcoming someone who has a lot to share about stories and about culture and about the importance of these stories becoming legacy, inspiration, and honoring true knowledge. Because that's the way memory builds up community and keeps our civilization thriving through the times. I want to welcome Sam Bagajigo. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for being here. Tell us a little bit about you, about the work that you are doing mm -hmm. before we go into the reason for this conversation. Thank you very much. And again, my name is uh, Samba Gajigo. Uh, for some people, it's very easy to self-identify using one word. I think for me, it needs volumes and volumes to identify me because uh, I was born in Senegal in a small village in eastern Senegal, grew up in Senegal and came for graduate work in the United States in the 80s to the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. And I uh, have been teaching French and uh, literature and culture of the French-speaking world at Mount Holyoke College since uh, 1986. But in addition to teaching, I also do scholarship. I try to... Uh, go back home once in a while to help restore a lost memory. In a sense that for some of us who came from former colonies, I think there is a struggle that is going on between memory, between memory and amnesia. Amnesia in a sense that we have been so much fed but stories conceived by others about us that we have progressively forgotten about our own stories. So my work is, yes, is teaching, which I love to do because I think teaching is learning twice. So you are always rejuvenated being in front of young people. We have a a very wise man who died a few years ago who was in West Africa who used to say in the context of traditional Africa that in Africa, and I quote here, an elderly who dies is a library that burns, meaning there is an erasure of a whole memory. So one of the jobs I assigned myself as my participation is to go back home and to use the resources provided by American academia to help restore that memory. So my work is at the intersection between teaching, research, and militant work. When I say militant, I don't carry a gun killing people. My weapon is stories. 
because I think we are defined by stories, we are deformed by stories, and we have to rejuvenate and recreate through stories. So that's my story. So compelling and so powerful. Thank you. Because it is through sharing these stories and passing it on how we are going to learn and how we are going to be able to evolve and take those references as the best way to be our best. And this is true for all cultures, for all origins. So it's not something that necessarily pertains to a very specific culture, but in this case being something that connects with uh, your own culture mm -hmm. from Senegal and also representing Africa with its huge diversity. It's such a big canvas and such a big palette of stories yeah. and how all of them are the reflection of everything we know and of course most of the things that we don't know yet about so it is such an honor having you here thank and you just very listening, much listening your words <laughs> with this opening is so moving it is a shared pleasure again i don't i don't see myself as a victim i refuse to be a victim but i think For people like me, like us, mostly Africa, who still bear the scars of 300 years of slavery, of uh, two centuries of colonization, now we find ourselves in a more dangerous place, which is called globalization. Because during slavery and colonization, the enemy was visible. He had a sword, he had a flag, Now he is a modem. It is not visible, but it's even more pernicious because what they call globalization is a misnomer. When you are talking about globalization, meaning synergy, exchange, cross-breeding. But what is dangerous now is that with the power of technology in storytelling, the only stories we hear is the stories of the powerful nations. So it is a one-way street. We are even more colonized today, culturally speaking, story-wise, than we were 100 years ago. So that's, for me, it means that every story we can recover and reappropriate counts for our survival because we are not only made of flesh and blood, we are also made of stories as human beings. And this is part of the work that you have been doing by working uh, also with Jason Silberman, creating this compilation of stories and creating this big production that has been recognized from different festivals as Cannes and Sundance. Mm -hmm. This is a story of different stories, but one person as the core of it. Yeah, there are two dimensions to it. Like every ordinary scholar, I experience with the solitary work of library research and writing at night in your study. Then later on, I discovered, at least in the context of Africa, the, what is at stake. The challenges are so huge that we ought to, we scholars, step out of the comfort of our offices and get in the real world and collaborate, cooperate, 
and uh, I met and we need also a certain level of idealism because the world is so mean where the powerful are crushing the weak but we will survive if we still keep that faith and in the process of my own intellectual development I ran into individuals who had the same idealism who did not have the same story but also had the same histories so i met a young generous idealistic jewish american kid who also had the vision to save the world we teamed up so from the books i wrote as an academic we decided to make a documentary film because the reality also in the context of africa today and i would say in latin america where all local languages have been destroyed and the european languages have been imposed while at the same time the majority does not have access to those european languages writing cannot save us i mean i admire garcia marquez writing 100 years of solitude and all those books but nothing can in our situation replace the power of the spoken word of the image so that's why we decided to switch despite all the challenges of making a film i had never held a camera before deciding to make this documentary mm-hmm. and then raising the money i mean here the only time you hear about latin america only hear about africa on cnn or whatever it is when there is a catastrophe mm-hmm. we want to bring a story that galvanizes a story that shows that yes we have experienced oppression but we are also we are not on our knees we are standing up so we decided to tell the story of the foremost african storyteller who single-handedly invented african cinema and used every resource he had to tell those stories because we have heard enough european stories on africa it was time a solitary voice emerge from that wilderness and the galvanized people that the story of usman semben it took us seven years we did not have a penny we did not have a camera all we had was a vision and it ended up christ crossing the world but it's only a beginning and we cultural workers like you radio station television we need that network there is this great european philosopher who used well actually i think it's uh, vladimir lenin father of the soviet revolution 1917 that and i quote an artist need to make money in order to live and work but he or she should not live and work in order to make money so we need that idealism we need that conjunction of forces that's why this sunday again we are continuing the struggle at the academy of music theater in northampton to show this film in collaboration with other voices action that want to change the world in a very positive way tell me a little bit about your experience having limited to none available resources to compile these stories to create this documentary yet connecting with people mm-hmm. around the journey and listening to stories and finding about those emotions that only can be transmitted 
through that conversation, mm -hmm. through listening and seeing the person sharing their knowledge and experience. Yeah, it's, it has been very humbling for me. I, I mean, I don't like to be talking about myself, it's just to give you a context. Again, as I said, I'm the, I came from a small, tiny village in Senegal. I'm the, I'm the first in my family three to attend Western school. I'm the first to leave. I remember the first day I was leaving my village to go to the city to go to high school. That was the first day at age 12 that I had a pair of shoes. I never wore shoes. But was it poor? No, I was not poor. I did not have material goods. I had a whole community behind me. And that community value, I think that's what I carried with me. Did my master's degree in Senegal, did a PhD in the United States, and so on and so forth. But... As the saying goes, when you climb a tree, when you forget how you climbed, coming down is become, going to become a problem for you. Mm -hmm. So I, all, I have a wealth in me which nobody can ever destroy is my sense of community, community empowerment, idealism, believing in yourself and believing in the potential of the world in such a way that this film, we carried the film in us for seven years But for the last six years, the film carried us in the world to the point that just last week, we finished doing the translation in Chinese of the subtitles of the documentary. I just got this morning an invitation to go to Brasilia, to Sao Paulo, and to a third city in Brazil to show the film. It has already been shown at the Sundance Film Festival We went to Cannes, we were selected for the gold camera in Cannes, and so on and so forth. So, again, I think stories allow us to cross borders because any particular story has something universal, universal into it. And I think that universal element that creates a synergy. Out of the blue, people came up with money to help us when they read about our stories. Ford Foundation, few, two years ago, allowed us to show the documentary in 38 African countries in 72 hours. So by that, we also wanted to reinvent storytelling. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be a billionaire. Create grassroots organizations. Let people know that this is their story that they are Telling. It is not storytelling in a capitalist, consumer-oriented society where the rating of a film is based on the box office. Mm -hmm. But how much do you impact? How much goodness are you infusing in people by telling your story? And again, I'm, in a, I'm not in a position to say this, but I think people so value in the film... We have not made a dime, we are broke, but we made such a difference in the world that every day I wake up, I'm 64, I'm ready to take my backpack and cross oceans and to go show the story. By the way, uh, may I ask what country are you originally from? Mexico. Okay, I showed, the, I showed the film, for instance, at the University of San Juan in Puerto Rico. I showed it in Caguas. We, we went all over Europe. But my goal is really to reach Africa. But if through Africa I can reach the rest of humanity, after all, we are human beings, but we have some particularities, which in my view, at this juncture in our history, we should not solely 
focus on entertaining stories. Mm-hmm. We need challenging stories. We want stories that take people out of their comfort zone and start thinking about the meaning of life, basically. So that's what the film is about. And the response has been overwhelming. We are very pleased. We could do more, and we're still trying to do more, but so far we have been pleased. And what a valuable contribution to the world by inspiring this way. What, that the idea, because again, as I was alluding to in the beginning, because of globalization, we're in a very dangerous zone where local indigenous native cultures are being wiped out mm-hmm. and we are going through a process of coca-colonization and mcdonaldization of the world which for me is a very scary prospect <laughs> we are heading towards a unidimensional world where only the value of the dominant world exists and uh, yes you can admire the material accomplishments of the united states as a nation but when i look at the human toll of progress in this country i'm scared mm-hmm. And this film is for my children and my children's children. It is our gift, if you want, to, to next generations. We want to inspire people from all corners of the world to pick up a camera, but when they stand behind that camera, so they realize they're taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. Being behind a microphone, in front of a microphone, or being behind a camera vests on you a big sense of responsibility, be, whether you know it or not, because people are listening to you and looking at you. And you become some kind of role model. So the, it is a heavy burden to carry. Now, if you are only doing this for money, you might accumulate tons of money. But in my view, it's a miserable life if you don't make a difference, uh, if you only live in this life of bling-bling, of yachts, of wealth and the castles, maybe self-satisfaction, but then what have you given back to the world for me? That's zero. So I'm not exceptional in any way. I was lucky, I think, to have the opportunity to have an education because um, if I know, again, this is cliche. If you think education is expensive, try ignorance. I left brothers and sisters who live in ignorance. It's the worst disease in the world. So I, I was blessed with education, and I tried to share that with the rest of the world. And it's completely normal, and I think that's how it should have been in the first place. So every day when I read, or someone, even yesterday, I got an e- very moving email from a young black writer from New York. Oh my God, I saw your, your documentary and I started writing. I was so happy. I was in tears because that's the goal. Or when a kid from the streets of Mexico sees this for instance, says, oh, I, I, I'm getting my education. You know, I saw your documentary. This is really not about Senegal. It is about the third world. I said, yes, it is about the third world. It is all the wretched of the earth, all those people who have been trampled on by expansionism, by capitalism. I think we all should have that one voice, one goal. How do we restore human dignity? That's what it is all about. What the slavery my grandfather was submitted to, yes, I want to forgive never forget. Mm-hmm. 
if we forget, we repeat, uh, we repeat history. So this is also a, a building of a memory or the sustaining of a memory. That's what we do. So Simban is going to be uh, screening and a very special event happening this May 5th at the Academy of Music in Northampton at 2 p.m. This is an event that is presented by Laudable Productions and also Tosten, Dignity yes. for All. Can we get a little bit into Tostan? Tostan and its mission and how this partnership and this collaboration is taking place? Idealism, dreaming, the world is so small. Tostan is an organization that was created in the 80s by then a young dreamer, American woman who was a Peace Corps volunteer. You know, the Peace Corps was created in the 60s by Kennedy to kind of open up Africa, or rather America to the rest of the world by taking young Americans and sending them in the four corners of the, of the world. So Molly Melching is her name. She's originally from Illinois, and she served in the Peace Corps in the 80s. Then she never came back because she realized there was a lot of work to do where she was. So she created this organization called Tostan. It's about education and empowerment of women. It was created only in Senegal. Now it's present in almost all African countries. One of the most better known work they do is to educate our communities of, uh, against female genital mutilations. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I mean, she did that through education, raising money in the United States and doing that work. I have known her personally since the 80s. And uh, Susan Bowell, who mm -hmm. is here from East Hampton, was my former student at Mount Holyoke. And she applied to, be, to work for that organization. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Then last summer, we met back, we had a reunion in Senegal. Why don't we coordinate our efforts? That's how the collaboration came. Because they too try to educate people and to empower women in Senegal to eradicate female genital mutilation mm -hmm. through telling different stories. Because female genital mutilations came through storytelling, that it was recommended by Islam, that it was the tradition Well, let's create counter-narratives, mm -hmm. which we are doing with our film. What we are doing is that to creating other narratives, subverting the existing narratives and creating new narratives of empowerment. Then here, of course, in Western Massachusetts, I'm afraid to start naming names because the list is so long, I don't want to exclude anybody. And so I'm not going to name them because it's really a collective Of people and every single individual counted. So we brought, uh, we all decided to rally behind my film to show it in Northampton and to invite other people to come see. And then we just, we don't have anything to give, we only give stories. Then I will be available to have open and hopefully mutually enriching conversations, not only about the film, not only about Semben, but all issues that are relevant to all of, all of us, uh, trying to share strategies how to restore human dignity. And that keeps me thinking about the current issues that our communities here in Western Massachusetts are experiencing when we talk about the divisive environment between 
class, between race, between origins, and how this is translating also in, in a very complicated situation for many people mm. living here for an, their entire lives and yet not feeling that they belong here. Definitely, yes. The issue of... Be Again, this is very idealistic. I don't. I try not to let the other define me. I try to define myself. Unfortunately, we are in a society where the issue of class, people are completely blind to its reality. It's very common, comfortable people to see things through the prism of color, prism of origin. Not to realize that no matter our color today, no matter our origin, no matter our gender, we are all under the same grind. This blind, crushing globalization under the capitalistic system, which has completely dehumanized us. But since they want to continue blinding us to those issues, of course they insist rather on our differences than on our commonalities. When I'm talking to you, I don't see a Mexican. I don't. I see a human being, because if you scratch, if you take off the melanin on my skin, you just have a skin like every other skin, and it has been demonstrated now for almost a century that intelligence is not the preserve of a race. Mm -hmm. It has been scientifically demonstrated that in this process and give and take in this world that Africa is the cradle of humanity, that it is Africa through Egypt that civilized Europe, not the other way around. I don't have any problem looking anybody in the eye because I have that conviction. I know that. I know my strength. I don't care what other people want to construct of me as long as I know my place in the world. Mm -hmm. I know the truth <laughs> and I can distinguish it from the, uh, the lie. That's why I love teaching. I mean, I just few, we finished, uh, I finished my last class on Monday and as my closing statement to my students, I said, it's if every semester I managed to reach and touch the heart of only one student, it has been a success. Because we are here in a culture, in a society in which when you look at the curriculum, for instance, in the high schools, It's all Euro-centered. It's all American-centered. Most of the kids go to college having never heard anything about Africa. So if I manage to wake up your historical consciousness to understand and to accept that Africa is part of history, not in the periphery of history, I will have succeeded that semester. Because what's happening is actually most of it is due to ignorance. Mm -hmm. It's easy to manipulate human beings if you completely leave, let them live into the bliss of ignorance. And that's what's happening here. We have the most endowed educational system. We are the least educated society in the world. Uh, and I like to say this very provocatively and it's true. Uh, being a French, former French colony, I, when I go to France, I like to, to, to tease them, to provoke them. I tell them that the most ignorant Senegalese know more, knows more about France than the most intelligent French knows about Africa. So if I manage to deconstruct that each semester, touch the mind of a young woman at Mount Holyoke, I think I will not have failed my, uh, my career here in the US. Yes, I like the money. We all need the money to live on, but 
I want to make a difference. And I think each semester, again, again, if through my classes, my conversations, me showing the film, if I have contributed in making the world a more peaceful, a more caring, a more humane place, I think that way, I think I could die very slowly and very happily. <laughs> Let me tell you, Samba, listening to you right now is mm. such, it brings me a huge amount of peace. Because it makes me realize that the way mm -hmm. the perspectives on how we want to see the world are in the right place. And sometimes when you are questioned and when the majority of the ideas mm -hmm. or ways of people keeps telling you, no, that's not the way, you're wrong, you're wrong, and you start questioning yourself if you are actually wrong, mm -hmm. listening to you brings me such joy and peace right now. Thank you. Thank and it's, you. it's like having yeah. a class, a master class in, yeah. this, in this conversation. Well, what gives us voice is also you, because by inviting me to your radio station, you are contributing a lot. You could have taken only the stories that sell. Try to make money, make a commercial radio, but we are here in these premises that are very, very simple, and we are having a very genuine human exchange. So I, what I'm saying is that if there were no communicators like you putting your machines available to me, my voice would not have been heard. So you see, in this world, I think it's all about the issue of voice and voicelessness. And unfortunately, this is cliche. The ideology, the dominant ideology is always the ideology of the dominant class. I mean, every day we are bombarded by stories. But where do those stories come from? Who controls the media? Who controls the newspapers? Who controls the televisions? But then when you have these non-profit communication organizations, that's where you see true meaning of communication. What is communication? To communicate is to negotiate meaning. And right now, we are not negotiating meaning because there's only one single unidimensional meaning that is being imposed on us. So we need more voices mm -hmm. like this. Um, yeah, and Sam Ben had, had a, a saying, actually. He goes, if in the darkest of darkness the other does not see me, me as a black man, I see myself and I shine. Imagine... Just imagine how powerful is it going to be in a big group being together at the Academy of Music this May 5th. You are invited. <laughs> Because this definitely feels like a life lesson mm -hmm. that we have to experience if we really want to realize of what it means to share stories, to listen to the stories and grow together as a community. Yeah, it's because... I'm not doing anything extraordinary. It's just trying in my own small way to give up, give back. If I have the privilege to be in front of you today in Western Massachusetts, it's communities that pushed me. I came from, again, I'm repeating myself, a very small community. My father lived all his life. He never made more than $200 his entire life. So scholarships, grants, support, taxpayers' money brought me here. So if I have a, I don't have millions to give back, all I have is my voice. And that voice, I try to be as generous as I can. 
thank to again as i said like people like you who give me the means to reach the larger community so i'm always available anytime anybody want to hear my story i will take your word on that because <laughs> definitely i don't i don't think one single session is enough to yeah. to absorb and 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 learn mm -hmm. today really It means a lot to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, I'm here at Mount Holyoke. I'm reachable anytime. I give you my card. You want us to do anything together in the community, I'm ready to do it. I'm, I'm not alone, by the way. There are many people over there who have stories who are just waiting for the opportunity to tell those stories. In that sense, I feel really privileged <laughs> being at Mount Holyoke. I mean, also having access to generation after generation of young women coming from the whole world and sharing a message. Not, I'm not really... Yes, I'm teaching, but I, I think, I hope I'm doing better than just teaching to speak a language or to know about... Uh, I'm trying to communicate And not everybody has a chance to communicate. So when the opportunity presents itself, like you did today, I mean, I enjoy it. It's a, you tend to thank me maybe too much. Maybe it should be the other way around. I would say, muchas gracias por la oportunidad. They hablo un poquito de español. Thank you. Thank sure. you for, for, for doing this. And well, the invitation is open for everybody to... Join uh, Samba at the screening of Semben mm -hmm. this Sunday, May 5th at 2 p.m. at the Academy of Music Theater, 274 Main Street in Northampton. There is a reception. There is also a different, different level of fees for, for admission. Mm -hmm. And the idea is to have all possible ways for people to get access and enjoy of this, of this experience, not only because of the movie itself, but coming together, listening to Samba and having a special opportunity like the one we are listening today at this moment to grow up and to feel connected to humankind. Any community in Western Massachusetts that want to screen the film, it will be more than an honor for me to give a DVD for free and to the best of my ability to attend the screening and to share And again, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very thank much, you, Samba. Thank you, thank you. And for more information on this screening, you can also you get your tickets uh, through Laudable Productions. That is uh, laudable.productions. Simple and straightforward on your browser. And also all the information is available in the posting of this session on our website, radioplasma.com. Samba, once again, Thank you so much. Thank you very much. The, all the pleasure is mine. I mean, this is a great opportunity. You guys are doing a good job. Again, as I said, if there is anything I can contribute, let me know. I, my, I, I'm in and out of the U.S. I travel a lot to share my work. But during school year or during the summer, if I'm around, it just takes a phone call. So I, will, I will respond to your invitation. Thank you so much. Yeah, sure, my pleasure. So this is our conversation with Sam Bagajigo. What a beautiful experience today. I hope that you have something valuable to take away from this session because certainly I did. So I thank you for that, Samba. Thank you very much. Thank you again. Yeah. With this, we conclude our session that has been recorded at uh, Cowork 92 
also part of the New England Media Lab here in Gateway City Arts in Holyoke, Massachusetts. I'm Johan Rashivega. Thank you for listening. <laughs>